Hello, my friends. For today's podcast, I'm going to play you the final session in my study, Teach My Heart to Pray. Teach My Heart to Pray is a four-session Bible study. Well, I guess it's a prayer study that has um, a book called Teach My Heart to Pray, Prayer Journal. And it also has online content, videos that you can show to your group or watch and do on your own. And you can access this online course um, at my website at prayerclinic.com. I believe you can also access it from my other website, leannemccoy.com. The study is designed for you to use in your churches to teach anybody and everybody just the basics of prayer. Um, I cover what prayer is, uh, how you can know that God will answer your prayers, what kinds of answers will He give when He does answer your prayers, um, six common barriers that we make or mistakes we make when we're praying, and then we culminate the entire study with how to pray through to a breakthrough. And I end the whole thing with this conversation about um, how to know when to stop if you're not getting the answer that you want and you don't feel like you're getting an answer at all. And then I also share things that I've learned when I have to pray through, when it's hard and when I have to um, continue praying. So enjoy this uh, episode. It's actually a recording of my recording and um, I hope that it encourages your heart. what I might be doing wrong. I want to give you three questions to ask when your prayers go unanswered and three more questions to consider before you give up altogether. So first, the three questions to ask when your prayers go unanswered. First question is this, am I praying according to the will of God? Make sure that what you're praying is what God wills. And note that not everything that brings you happiness is God's will for you. Also note that long-suffering, that God is long-suffering, patient, and it's not his will that any should perish. Second Peter 3.9 tells us. And I mention this fact in case you're like me, and you might have been praying that a particular person might be released from gravity's hold. So just know that God is is forbearing. He bears with us a long time. And we pray and we give up so easily, but God never gives up on us. Make sure that what you're praying is God's will. And understand that your happiness is not central in His purpose for you. In fact, He wants holiness in us, more understanding of what it's like to be like Christ. And sometimes our suffering through unanswered prayers is exactly the answer to that prayer that he wants to give us. Second question. The first is, am I praying according to the will of God and growing and understanding what that will is? Second question is, am I abiding in Christ and is Christ abiding in me? Am I abiding in Christ and is Christ abiding in me? You see, uh, John 15, 7 is the verse that tells us that if we abide in him and he abides in us, we can ask for anything. And whatever it is we ask, we get to have. This is our secret to success. It's all in this abiding. It's in this understanding that 
It's no longer about what Leanne wants. Remember, I'm not at the center of my universe. It's about what God wants. And the more I decrease me, the old man, and increase Christ in me, the more I'm synced up with exactly what Christ wants for me. So I'm thinking God's thoughts and I'm desiring the things that God desires. So the second question is, am I abiding in Christ and is he abiding in me? The third question to ask before you give up is, Am I putting limits and restraints on God? Sometimes our prayers are being answered, only they're being answered so far outside our preconceived notions that we miss the answer altogether. At other times, our prayers are in process. God is working our all things together for good. Only God knows how and when all things working together are going to be good. We have to give God time and space to work. The question is, am I putting limits and restraints on God? I had a friend that gave me the picture as a painter's scenario. I, I loved to oil paint when I was younger, canvas art. And when you paint on large canvases, you stand in front of them and, and paint. And I was talking about this burden on my heart that I was so desperate for God to do. And she said, Leanne, it's like you're painting a picture and you've got in your mind what that picture should look like. And you're thinking that you're painting for God. And I guess I thought I was. I'm painting for God. And she said, maybe it's time for you to step away from the canvas and let God have the paintbrush and let him paint the picture he genuinely wants. And with that, I understood that part of the reason I was so frustrated and praying through to my breakthrough was because I was putting limits and restraints on God by insisting on holding the paintbrush. But the minute I let God and let God begin, let God have the paintbrush, let him paint his picture, it may look far different than what I had in mind, but it will eventually look better and you will know it. Three very good questions to ask while you're praying through to a breakthrough. All right? Three more questions to consider before you give up. One is, is God big enough to answer this prayer? I want you to check out the answer to this particular question in these scripture passages. I'm not going to take time to read them, and I have them written in your book, so you just need to look these up and underline them. Is God big enough to answer this prayer? Check out Isaiah 40, verse 28. Job 26, verse 14. Psalm 147, verse 5. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, and Psalm 93, verse 4. Is God big enough? The second question before you give up, does God love you enough to answer this prayer? Romans 8, 28 through 39. We've already anchored ourselves to that earlier. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. Zephaniah 3, 17. Psalm 86, verse 15. And John 3.16. And third question to consider before you give up. Can I trust him? Answer these, this question with these scriptures. 2 Samuel 
Psalm 13, 5. Psalm 56, 3. Isaiah 12, 2. And John 14, 1. Is God big enough? Does he love me enough? And can I trust him? Before I wrap this lesson up, I'm going to give you some good practical advice on how to live in the meantime. So I've begun to call the time between where God's promise lies and where the answer to my prayer is, this space in between, I call the meantime. Because not only is it the time where I'm living so much of the time in between, the meantime, but I also call it the main time. It's a, it's a main time. It can be a vicious time, a hard time, a time where the enemy kind of comes after me. Is this space in between where I'm dealing so often with God's, with God's silence. But I've grown to know that it's during the meantime that God is secretly doing his greatest work in our lives. I love what Charles Spurgeon has to say about the meantime. God's people have always, when in the worst of conditions, found out the best of their God. He is good at all times, but he seems to be his best when they are at their worst. He went on to say, Spurgeon did, the Scottish preacher Samuel Rutherford had a quaint saying that when he was cast into the cellars of affliction, he remembered that the great king always kept his best wine there. He began to seek at once for the wine bottle and to drink of the well-refined wine. They who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. I got to thinking about that. And what I kind of affectionately and jokingly call the meantime, being the time that God invites us into the sea of affliction or into the dark, deep cellar. And I think about these pearls that are rare and precious. And then I'm reminded of a time when I was there, just like old Samuel Rutherford. And I went to the prayer clinic that our church ministry has. And I prayed with my friend Julie, my husband, and I did. She cried out to the Lord on our behalf. I mean, weeping. We were so broken over what had gone on in our lives. And when she prayed, my heart just wanted the pain to stop. I wanted God to fix it and to fix it quick. And Julie prayed a very unusual prayer. She said, Lord, I love my pastor and his wife. And my heart aches over what's going on in their lives. And they are in a dark place, a scary place. But God, I pray that you will keep them right there in that place until they discover every jewel you have for them there. Only then bring them out. <laughs> At that moment, I didn't care one little bit about those jewels. <laughs> but God heard that prayer and he honored it. And he kept us in that place for a very long time. And I'm, now that I'm out, I'm so grateful that he did. And some of the things that I've been teaching you in these sessions together, this being our fourth, I wouldn't know had I not been there. And in fact, the things that I'm going to share with you now 
are some of the priceless revelations that God gave to me when I was in that dark place. They are, they are my pearls. I'm going to share with you four secrets that I learned in the dark places. One is, know that God really will never leave you nor forsake you. When you're in the dark place, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt because you're going to experience this truth that God is with you. That there is nowhere you can go that He is not. There is nothing you can face that He will not face with you. I wrote an entire book on this, How to Recognize and Hear God's Voice, A Woman's Guide to Hearing God's Voice. And I've been to some difficult places. I was, I've laid on a gurney going into surgery to have half my liver removed, and God was there. I've um, been in an apartment with my 18-year-old daughter where I saw the bedroom door with holes in it as a result of her boyfriend's fits of anger, and God was there. I spent days looking at my own bedroom walls, so sick with chemo that I couldn't even think straight, and God was there. I spent a day holding my other grown daughter who crying, crying in my lap over a broken heart, and God was there. The night my son nearly drowned in our backyard pool, God was there. When I got within a mile of my daughter's duplex with my granddaughter Misty, at two years old, screaming at the top of her lungs, No, Nana, no, no. And I knew that letting her off at that place was a very bad place for her and horrible things were going on behind those doors. And I had to drive all the way back home. God was there. He's been there over and over again. And I can honestly shout with David, You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You've placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I am unable, I am unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 12. The first treasure that I discovered in the dark places is that God is with you there. The second treasure I've discovered is that I can be confident that God will provide what you need when you need it. And the flip side of that is what you need, God will provide. Sometimes it isn't what you think you need. If you're like me and you're praying through to a breakthrough, you think you need God to end this madness and answer your prayer. But only God knows what is going on from the other side of whatever it is that you're praying about. And one thing I've learned about God is this. Timing is important to Him. Therefore, pay attention to what God provides you today. For whatever He's providing you is exactly what you're needing. You can be deceived into thinking you need something other than what he is giving you. This deception comes from your enemy whose ambition is to get you to doubt God so that you can be tossed about on the waves of despair. 
See, I need to remind you that when we pray, the enemy is impotent against us. If he can keep us from praying, then he can stop the experience of God in our lives. So be confident that God will provide what you need when you need it. And God will provide what you need right now. Keep your heart and mind focused on the right now, not on the future that you don't really know, and certainly not on the past you can't do anything about. Stay focused and trust that God will give you what you need when you need it, and He will. The third treasure I discovered is that there is deep joy in suffering. It's like a cold shower. So good, but never something that you're going to choose if you have the choice. You've got yours and I've got mine. Let that place, that terrible, no good, very bad place, become a platform of God's glory. Let that place where the enemy thought he would crush you become the very place that you proclaim the name of the Lord. Tell your stories. Chart God's response to your breakthrough prayers and allow hope to rise for all the others who are just a bit behind where you may be on the journey to your breakthrough. Remember, we're traveling through valleys, not bumbling about in pits of despair. There's deep joy in the suffering. And the fourth and final secret I'm going to share with you that I gleaned in that dark place is that I can trust that God knows what he's up to, and so can you. You can trust that God knows what he's up to. I had to learn to put my own ways to rest. I had to stop assuming or predicting or even demanding what had to happen next. I had to stop letting the circumstances interpret reality. And instead, I had to anchor my hope in the word of God. I had to trust God. God has a way of teaching us through experience. Sure, I might have known many of these truths before, but they were words on a page or they were parts of someone else's story. Only a little bit interesting to me. But you better believe that now that they've been inscribed on my heart, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that these things are true. I'm about ready to wrap this whole study up, but I can't leave it without mentioning this one very powerful practice you can participate in and that is the power of praise and thanksgiving while you're praying through from the point of the promise and the need to where the prayer is and the place where God answers in a big beautiful God glorifying way in this time when things can get so confusing if you will develop the practice of praising God for who he is, identifying the ways he is himself toward you through thanksgiving, and, and recognizing even the slightest thing, begin to discipline yourself to thanking God for every little thing you can think of. You will discover that in this time, between there and there, it is no longer a meantime, but a glorious time for you to be able to march out to the glory of God and already begin to borrow the hope that's on the other side of the joy in that answered prayer. I've written actually uh, one more chapter in this book that I'd like for you to read. And that is the chapter um, in here, chapter 18, that's all about that powerful weapon we have of praise and thanksgiving. There you have it. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. I um, just thought you might be encouraged to hear that message about um, how to know when to stop, how to know that you can trust God, and then just the lessons that we learn when we're going through those long and um, hard times of prayer while we are uh, waiting for God to give us the answer that He's assured us that He will give us. You know, there's two parables that I actually teach as part of this session in the other video that Jesus taught, and they're both in the book of Luke, one in Luke 11 and the other in Luke 18. One was the shameless persistence of the neighbor who desperately needed bread so that he could feed the travelers that had come to stay with him. And Jesus used um, that story to encourage us to keep on knocking, to keep on seeking, to keep on asking. And he assured us that if we do that, that he will answer, the doors will be opened and we will find. And what an incredible promise. But his emphasis was, will you be willing to keep on and keep at it? He also made the point that he is nothing like, his father is nothing like the reluctant neighbor, that he is more than eager to give us what we're asking for. But that it, he, he's acknowledging that sometimes it's just going to be hard to get there. And then in the other parable was the parable about the widow with the unjust judge. And in the same kind of way, the widow just did not leave that judge alone. And eventually the judge gave her what he could give her, and that was justice. Um, but it says that he didn't do it because he was a good judge. He did it simply because she wouldn't leave him alone. And Jesus used that story to explain to us that he is nothing like that unjust judge, that his father is eager to give good gifts to his children. But will his children be as persistent as that widow was, knowing that he's good? And so if we know he's good, and we know what I was teaching there is that his timing is just right, then we're going to keep after it. But what Jesus said at the end of that parable was, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find that kind of faith on earth? Or are we just going to be mamby-pamby Christians that give up so quickly and quit believing and quit trying and quit praying? I don't think so. I want to encourage you to continue to be strong, to recognize that God has put a burden in your heart and He has trusted you to carry it through. And so let's keep knocking. Let's keep asking. Let's keep seeking. Let's keep expecting our good God, our good, good Father to bring the answers that we're looking for. And until that time, let us um, find ourselves satisfied with what He does choose to give us when He chooses to give it. So be encouraged, my friends, and thank you for listening to the Leanne McCoy Podcast.